you have your Bible, please have it in your hand or your phone or your whatever you read with. And I'm going to uh, just have you stand with me as we read through this because from the moment Brendan talked about what Romans had to say, Ephesians is going to say the same thing over and over and over. I could literally just close up and pray and we can go home because he already gave a sermon. Truly, God wants us to know. That's what this, this passage is all about. So I'm just going to read it all the way through chapter 1. It'll take us less than five minutes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful to, in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which we, which, I'm sorry, which he, capital H, freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have, tr we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Almost done. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, which when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Amen. Lord, may that wash over us. Again, that word wash just resonated with me. Um, wash over us, Lord. For those of us who believe this is the greatest reminder we could ever hear. And for those who don't know that to be true for themselves, what a great hope of what could be if today was the day that Jesus became their Lord and their Savior. We thank you, God. We love you. Please bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can sit down again. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, so uh, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here, in case you don't know that. I get the privilege of preaching today with, oh, he was, there he is, with my pastor in the second row there, so that's sweet. <laughs> so if you want a title today, it's uh, So That You Will Know. I'm an outliner, so I kind of uh, like to break things down. Um, so verses one and two, if you're taking notes, grace and peace. Verse three, every spiritual blessing. Four through 14, the basis for these spiritual blessings, verse 15 through 23, 
prayer for spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I'll say those again in case you weren't fast enough to write all that down or type it into your device. So I want to start off with a verse from 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. So before I read that, what we just read in Ephesians is absolutely phenomenal. To hear those words just read out loud, that's why I wanted to read it all the way through the first time, um, even though we had to sit up or sit down and stand back up again. When I was reading this, it just jumped out at me. This whole passage was like, I can't just teach a piece of it. It just flows so well. And if you're familiar with Ephesians, or if you're not, the first three chapters are just designed to be with him. And then the last two chapters are how to practically live that out. We're only going to do one chapter today, but what I want you to know, what he wants you to know, what Paul says here is that so that you will know all these things about him, if you are his, they are true in you because of him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says this, but just as it is written, listen to this, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God, revealed through the Spirit, for the Spirit, searches all things, even the depths of God. In Ephesians uh, in this, I've read it and reread it several times trying to count these words, but just bear with me. Roughly, I'll say, the name God is uh, mentioned five times, Father, two times, in Christ, six times, He, eight times, His, 16 times, Him, three times, and in Him, five times. I think God wants us to know something. He wants us to know. It's him. He's our God. He's our Father. It's in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, his, him, in him. All these things that we read are all found in Christ. Amen? All right. 30 minutes to get through a whole chapter. Let's see if we can do it. Verses 1 and 2. Grace and peace, he says. I'll read the verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The letters from Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul, who used to be Saul, we know the story, he was knocked off his high horse by Jesus himself, and a trained man, in the scriptures, a Pharisee of Pharisees, but he was made an apostle by Jesus Christ, by God's will, and 100% knew it wasn't his own doing, but a calling from God. Addressed to the saints, the set-apart ones at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ, the letter is to believers in Jesus Christ. That's you, and that's me, if in fact you are his. Grace and peace to you, he says. Grace, undeserved, unmerited, favor towards you, and peace beyond all understanding or comprehension to you. Receiving God's grace comes before a walk in peace with him. We've all heard the analogy, be a Mary. You gotta be a Mary before you can be a Martha. They're both needed. But before he sent his guys out, in Mark there, he says, he brought them together so that he could be with them. Before he had them do anything for him, just wanted to be with him. We come into church, you know, yes, I've been studying, yes, I've been in the text. It's all exciting to me. May not be for you. May have had a morning like Brendan did, wondering what the heck. Have you, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Maybe everything's going great in your life. You're just thrilled to be here. It's Christmas time like me. You love Christmas. Or it's Christmas time and you hate it because it's just a bunch of bad memories. Whatever the case, if you are in God, the Father, in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, his, in him, him. 
if he is the reason for the season, which he truly is, we need to make that a reality for ourselves. And we, we can't actually do it ourselves. He gave us the grace to do it. He gave us the peace to do it. I had a, a moment when I was studying for this, there was just it was one of those weeks where just every, every spiritual attack that could come came from every direction. And I had to just stop studying and go in my bedroom and get on my knees and cry out to God for help. I was literally felt like I was having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And I don't, it was just super weird. I don't have those. But I did. And I took that Philippians verse about his peace that passes all understanding, told me to be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ. And I'm like, Lord, I have taught that. I've spoken it. I've counseled it. I need it. I need to apply this to me. I need to take you at your word. I need to trust you. Chris was praying in the prayer room about me trusting God this morning to get up here and share. He mentioned something about we can study, we can prepare, we can plan, but unless God goes up here and has something to say, unless he pours out his spirit, unless he does the work, it's just a bunch of information. And that is the last thing he wants. That's the last thing I want. That's the last thing our pastor would want this morning. It's the last thing that you should want. We want him. Amen? Verse 3. Every spiritual blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What? Blessed. By who? God. What do you bless us with? Every spiritual blessing. Where? The heavenly places. How? In Christ. Blessed by God with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All the other stuff he does, he does take care of all our needs. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He opens up blind eyes, mute mouths, lame limbs. He sets captives free. I was a captive. He set me free. Have you been a captive? He set you free. And whether you know that you're a captive or not, you need to be set free. <laughs> he who the Son sets free, maybe that's the word, it's not in my notes, is free indeed. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to be reminded, in case you didn't pick it up from Brendan or the text, you're free in Christ. Amen? Like the song, break down my tradition and all my religion. Why? Because our way is better? <laughs> no, his way is better. So we want to make room. We want him to have our whole heart. We want him to have all of our mind. We want him to have our lives. Why? So we can enjoy these spiritual blessings in Christ. Where? The heavenly places. By who? God. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are, help me out, yes and amen. Thank you. <laughs> to the glory of God. Through us. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, <laughs> and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Talking to myself, not talking to you when I say that. just sounded funny. <laughs> Seriously, when I'm trying to communicate something to you, I've got to have the, the Lord of the universe do the work in me first. Otherwise, what's the point? So all week long, I've had to apply these things in my own life just to be able to stand before you here today. And the funny thing about my pastor being here, normally it would, if it was somebody else, it would make me like, oh no, he's gonna be here and then stand up and correct my whole sermon at the end, you know. <laughs> but we've been together a long time. I've told many of you before, he used to serve me. His family served us when we needed help. 
and were unable to do things. He was the guy that showed up with uh, Benjamin on his back and Samuel mowing my grass for me. He's just a servant. And I'm not trying to like, you know, build up his flesh or something right now. I'm not by any means. I just want you to know that's the kind of pastor you have. And now he's my pastor. <laughs> like he's your pastor. And he knows, he knows you guys. Not like God knows, I don't mean like that. But God places things into him for your benefit, for my benefit. Amen? We're not sitting here groaning and crying and fretting and worrying, questioning our own salvation. He's blessed us, and therefore we will bless him. If you think little of what God's done for you, you'll do very little for him. But if you have a great notion of his great mercy to you, you'll be greatly grateful to your gracious God. Clearly, you know I don't talk like that. Hold on. Our thanks are due to God for all temporary blessings. They are more than we deserve, but our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs. How cool is that? Thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. Who's heard that word before? To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely, infinitely excuse me, more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. Who, who knows who said that? Wild guess. Thank you. The great Charles Spurgeon. I wish I could talk cool like that. I read that, and I just was just thunders of hallelujahs. We shouldn't sit here fretting if we belong to him. We should have thunders of hallelujahs for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's doing, what he has yet to do. You know, another story with these guys, uh, when Solomon was in Sarah's tummy, we were at Wild Waves, and she was our, our staff photographer, as it were. <laughs> and again, that pregnant, going on a youth trip with a bunch of crazy junior hires, baby in the belly, camera in hand, just serving the Lord. Why? Thunders of hallelujahs. When you have thunders of hallelujahs, no one needs to tell you to serve God. Amen? You don't need me to tell you to serve God, right? We don't need to come up here and beat the sheep. You need to serve the Lord. No. Like he said when, what do you say here? Let me uh, get to the right spot here. If you think little of what God's done for you, you'll do very little for him. Isn't that crazy? The only way we can do what he's called us to do is to know who we are in him. He who has been forgiven much, loves much, and I, for one, mess that up all the time. If you know me, you've been offended by me. <laughs> My, you know... <laughs> It's the beard, it's the eyebrows, it's choice of whatever it may be. My daughter has seemed to inherit the same exact quality, unfortunately. <laughs> and so my wife says, she'll make silly little jokes, but she's being serious. Do you need another DNA test? <laughs> Still not sure? Just look over there. There's your little mini-me. So, thankfulness. When we read what Ephesians says about us, what God says to us through the words of Paul, again, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He thought he knew the will of God. He thought he was serving God. He thought what he did going door to door, house to house, 
taking Christians in handcuffs or whatever they used back then, standing there holding the coats as they stoned Stephen to death. He condoned that, thinking he was doing God's will. Now, like I said earlier, knocked off that high horse of pride and arrogance, self-religion, tradition, and he was blinded by the Lord. Blinded by the Lord, only to have his eyes open later on. Our pastor said many times, we don't see to believe, we believe so we can see. Amen? All right, 14 through, or sorry, four through 14. The basis for these spiritual blessings. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth, in him. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. And in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with him, in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Amen? A couple more verses since that wasn't enough for you. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that you were not, that there, excuse me, were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, aren't you glad? The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification, by the spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Amen? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We're chosen not only for salvation, but also for holiness. Any understanding of God's sovereign choosing that diminishes our personal responsibility for personal holiness and sanctification falls short of the whole counsel of God. Again, David Guzik, not me. Once we've been with him, like I said in the beginning, then, then we can live for him. It's not till we've been with him, you guys, and we've got to continue to be with him if we're going to continue to live for him. Because what we're not supposed to do is what Lot's wife did, right? We're not supposed to look back, right? We're supposed to take that plow, plow forward. Like our pastor, again, sorry to keep reminding, I don't keep meaning to use him, but he often reminds us it's good to remember what God's done in the past, but we always want to look forward to the future. Amen? As we're remembering the past and looking forward to the future, 
The tricky thing is, is to be. To just be. Be with him. Be doing what you're called to do now. Do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that the heathen worry about will be added unto you. You don't have to worry where your food comes from, where you're gonna sleep, or what you're gonna wear. The Father knows you need these things. And as he referred to those birds and the lilies, you're more precious to him than anything. He's chosen us. My two cents. Pay attention for just a moment. Are there any foster parents in here? Raise your hand. Are there any foster parents who've adopted a child? Raise your hand. Are there any parents who have just adopted a child? All right. Amen. Listen up. You, you chose that child or those children. Yes? It's crazy, right? And then they chose you too. Right? <laughs> it's settled. Do you get it? Everyone's... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Again, like Brendan said in the beginning, he chose you. Don't try to figure it all out. Just be glad. Like these guys who've adopted children, they hand-selected those children. Those children then need to choose them. Family. The rest of us don't get to choose our family. It just is what it is. What a special blessing for those who have chosen and chosen. Amen? We're still blessed, don't get me wrong. If you haven't been adopted, I don't mean that. All right, now here's where we're going with this. Listen up. In Roman law, again, seriously, he stole my whole sermon in the first five minutes, but I'm going to forgive it because that's just how I roll. <laughs> In Roman law, when the adoption was complete, it was complete indeed. The person who had been adopted had all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family and has completely lost all rights in his old family. In the eyes of the law, he was a new person. So new was he that even all debts and obligations connected with his previous family were abolished as if they never existed. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are not adopted in, into the family of God. They are born into the family. The Greek has only one word, son, place, S-O-N-P-L-A-C-E. We are placed into the position of sons and, of course, daughters. You're still there, too. He's accepted us. Amen? It's funny when uh, you're the one studying and all this stuff's like just so excited to share it and then not everyone's in that place, you know? And I don't expect you to like jump up and down or something like that. But oh my gosh, when I read this, I just could not keep it in. It's just so amazing. Thank, thank you. Praise the Lord. But, so when it says he's accepted us or bestowed upon us, the definition of that means highly favored are full of grace. Jesus was completely accepted by the Father. All his character, all his words, all his work was acceptable to God the Father, and now we are accepted in the Beloved. Why? To the praise of his glory. Again, that phrase is repeated over and over. In 7 through 12, it says he's redeemed us. Redemption always implies a price being paid for the freedom that is purchased. It uses the ancient Greek word lutrio, which means to liberate on the receipt of a ransom. Here the price is his blood, showing that the blessing from the Father and the Son comes not only from a divine decree, but it also comes according to his righteousness and holiness. He cannot bless in opposition to his righteousness and holiness. If Jesus does not redeem us by his sinless life or his moral example, but only by his death in our place, by his blood. 
observe, it's not redemption through his power. It's through his blood, Mr. Spurgeon. It's not redemption through his love. It's through his blood. Stay tuned. And we shouldn't take a superstitious or mystical view of the blood. It was not Jesus' physical blood that saved anyone, but his real and total payment for the sins of man in his whole person on the cross. This is what the New Testament means when it talks about the blood. He has forgiven us. It's a done deal. He lavished on us. The word lavish means to abound, to shower, to oversupply, sumptuously rich, luxurious. He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Many think it's unwise of God to lavish such redemption and forgiveness on guilty sinners, but it was in all wisdom and prudence that he gave this to us. He's revealed his will. He's revealed God's will to us. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, part of what belongs to us under the riches of his grace is the knowledge of the mystery of his will. God's great plan and purpose which was once hidden but is now revealed to us in Jesus. Through the Apostle Paul, God called us to consider the greatness of God's great plan for the ages and our place in that plan. In the New Testament sense, a mystery is something which is hidden to the heathen but clear to the Christian. It's the greatest resolution and deliverance that even the creation groans for in Romans 8. The day, listen, when every wrong will be righted and every matter resolved according to God's holy love and justice. There's that old song, um, well, it's, a, it's, it's the word of God, but it's a, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. Thank you, Micah 6.8, apparently. If you mess those up, we were reminded of this over the summer uh, at a pastor's little retreat we had, Marcus and Chris and I, or Michael and Chris and Marcus and I. Yeah, all of us got to go. First time ever we all got to go somewhere and be refreshed, praise the Lord. But one of the things uh, Pastor Ed was telling us was keep those in the right order. Don't love justice. <laughs> Do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly before your God. Amen? Super important to keep those in, in the right order or, God forbid, he's given us an inheritance guaranteed eternal riches. For believers, Jesus is not a judge but the one in whom we have an inheritance. Believers are predestined for this according to the counsel of his will. Again, the reasons for his choosing reside in him, not in us. Again, sermon stealer already took all that. All these are in Christ to the praise of his glory. All these things point to the praise of his glory. The Spirit's seal. This is so great. You heard the gospel. You believed or responded in faith. You were sealed. The Holy Spirit of promise was pledged, deposited, and guaranteed. Your inheritance was eternally secured. Amen. Why? To the praise of his glory. Amen. In him you trusted after you heard the word of truth. God's sovereign choice works, but it does not exclude human cooperation. These ones who were so sovereignly chosen were also the ones who trusted, who heard the word of truth and believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Also essential in God's work is the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. His presence in our lives acts as a seal which indicates ownership and which is a guarantee of our inheritance. The seal is therefore the Holy Spirit himself, and his presence in the believer denotes ownership and security. The sealing with the Spirit is not an emotional feeling or some mysterious inward experience. The word guarantee or down payment is used only, this is interesting, 
in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. He is our only down payment of coming glory. Nothing else is provided. Nothing else is needed. Can I get an amen? Amen. Having believed, the sealing, it doesn't come before we believe. Those who demand some assurance from God before they will believe, treat God as if his word could not be trusted. For sealing, there, there are needed the softened wax, the imprint of the beloved face, the steady pressure. Would that the spirit might impress the face of our dear Lord on our softened hearts, and may they keep his, may they keep it forevermore. Meyer said that. Until the redemption of the purchased possession, we have this guarantee. Until we are completely purchased by God through resurrection and glorification. Again, all to the praise of his glory. I know you're hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Isn't that great? (laughs) Some of you are about ready to fall asleep. We need to hear it. We need to hear it, and we need to know it. The theme of this message was what Paul says here in the end, so that you may or will know. All right, I'm gonna, John 10, 27 through 30. I need a volunteer who's willing to allow me to use their name out loud without knowing what it is. Scott, first hand up, you win. All right. In John 10, 27 through 30, it says, my sheep hear my voice. Scott, are you one of God's sheep? Are you Jesus' sheep? Yeah? So it would be safe to say, listen up, Scott, here's my voice. And I know Scott, and Scott follows me. I give eternal life to Scott, And Scott will never perish, and no one will snatch Scott out of my hand. My Father who's given Scott to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch Scott out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I don't know if you've ever heard that or you've heard it a thousand times, but when you find a passage like that, that you can make it personal. If you're his sheep, you simply insert your name there. And I'll tell you what, the power of that little passage can change your life. Years ago at a, another retreat, I was sharing this passage and I wasn't planned and I chose one of the kids from the group who said and did all the things that, you would, that a, a Christian kid does. Having no idea what was going through his heart and his mind that night. He literally came on our trip to commit suicide because he thought he wasn't his, but he was. And I thought it was a random name that I chose. God used him in this text to put his name as a sheep in there and save his life. Never underestimate the power of God's word. Never when you feel, when you, when you feel, feels a bad word to use anymore. When you sense, when you're, I don't know how the spirit moves on you or, or is trying to show you to say or do something. For me, my heart starts to pound a lot and I'm trying to discern is that me just being nervous or am I supposed to say something or do something that the Lord is, it's that unction that the Holy Spirit does. Man, if I didn't listen to it that night, I thank God I did. I don't always listen. <laughs> God used that to save a kid's life. Maybe he wants to use it to save your life. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today, that you're his. Nothing can change that. You've been sealed. All right, well, we're clearly out of time. I'm ready to wrap this up here in about 25 minutes. (laughs) Last few uh, verses here, 15 through 23, Paul's prayer for spiritual wisdom and understanding. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know, so that you will know, so that you will know, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, so that you will know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, so that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul describe, describes here how he is praying for them without ceasing. They're always on his heart. Prayers for the wisdom of God, revelation of God, knowledge of God. He wanted their eyes of their heart to be opened, to be enlightened, internal illumination. Gotta have the eyes of our heart open to be enlightened, to be illuminated. Paul wanted them to know this. Few things give us a more secure and enduring hope in life than simply knowing, again, knowing that God's called us, that he has a specific calling for us, for you, for me, to fulfill. And no one can do it but you. He's called you to do it. 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 He's called you guys over there to do it. The hope of his calling has its perspective on the future. The believer has a glorious future of resurrection, eternal life, freedom from sin, perfected justification, and glorious elevation above the angels themselves. His riches. Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's inheritance in his people. We usually only think of our inheritance in God, but Paul wanted the Ephesians to understand, get this, that they are so precious to God that he considered them his own inheritance. Years ago, again, sorry, all I have is youth memories. Um, another youth group trip, I was sharing this with the kids. And to help them understand this, we had this little, found this little mirror in a box or something like that and gave the study and then had the kids come up and no one could say anything. They were just supposed to come up and open the box and look inside to see uh, what God's uh, treasure was, to see what, what his inheritance was, to see their little faces <laughs> looking back at themselves to know they are his inheritance too. His power. Many Christians don't know this power or they know it from a distance. God wants resurrection life to be real in the life of the believer. Like when these guys are singing, you know, they're all full of joy in the Holy Spirit. What the heck, church? Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's do this. Not everybody's in the, in the moment because we just don't realize this, that we've been resurrected. And it's not a fake, you know, okay, let's jump up and down and sing way really loud or something because they want us to. No, we can only sing to the Lord out of the abundance of overflow from our heart of gratitude to him. And sometimes, man, it's hard to connect those dots. It shouldn't be, but sometimes it is. And it's in those moments we must press in to him. Do what doesn't come natural. Lift your heart with your hand to him. Again, not to anyone up here, not to anyone beside you or behind you or in front of you, to him, all through this chapter, to the praise of his glory. The very same power that raised Christ is waiting to raise the drunkard from his drunkenness, to raise the thief from his dishonesty, 
to raise the Pharisee from his self-righteousness, to raise the Sadducee from his unbelief. Mr. Spurgeon, of course. I don't talk that way. Fill in the blank. The very same power that raised Christ is waiting to raise you. Maybe you were like me. Maybe you were a dope fiend. Maybe you were a dope dealer, dope maker, just a dirty, rotten sinner, like Paul would say, chief of sinners, lowest of the low. Maybe you've just had it together all your life. Maybe you don't even know what that's like because you've had everything. He can resurrect you too. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Also we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. This letter and this message was and is intended for believers in Jesus Christ. But just in case you're here today and you're not his child, but only his creation, he loves you and he gave himself for you too. So I encourage you right now, put your faith and your trust in him. Don't wait another second. Don't wait. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10, 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So faith, Romans 10, 17, comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The gospel comes in through our ears. It's considered in our minds. It's information. The gospel then seeps down into our heart. It's about 18 inches where it's now believed upon in faith. Call that activation. Now the gospel connects these two, the head and the heart. When these two connect, they explode with great joy out of your mouth, producing or resulting in salvation. Information, activation, salvation to anyone who will come come as these guys close us out here with our final song you know it's it's a uh, it's christmas i don't have a christmas message but i have a little christmas illustration of the gospel i just like to share with you real fast and uh, as our prayer team makes their way around the room man don't miss the moment. God shows up and does stuff when he wants to, how he wants to, and we can just miss it. I've missed it. <laughs> you don't have to. You're here. I got the mic. Just kidding. You don't have to miss it. If you need prayer, find your way over. If you need to come to Jesus, find your way. Whatever the case may be, Find your way to someone, anyone, and let them bear your burden with you and give it to the Lord and cast it upon him. Amen? So you got the Christmas tree, right? So think of the Christmas tree. It's a representation of the cross. 
The light's on the tree is Jesus Christ, the light of the world who hung on that tree for you and me. The ornaments or decorations or whatever, that's all of our sins just put on him, hung on him. He hung on that tree. He paid the price for you and for me. At the bottom of the tree, there's Christmas presents. Each one of those presents is addressed with care and wrapped with care. And whoever got that gift for someone just can't wait to see them open it. But what has to happen for you to receive that free gift, that Christmas present, you have to open it. It's there, the gift is there for anyone who wants it, whoever it's addressed to, right? He put your name on that gift, whoever you are. And he wants you to open it. Not tomorrow, next, not next week, right now. If that's you, I just encourage you, don't miss it. When you take ownership of that gift, it means that you receive it. And you're stoked when you open that gift. You're like, yes! Like those kids with those ornaments out there that we've all been shopping for. When those foster kids open those gifts because they had nothing, yes! Yes. Father, open the eyes of our hearts. Like Paul said to the church, like you said to Paul to the church, so that you will know. Open the eyes of our hearts, illuminate our hearts, so that we will know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glorious inheritance, and the surpassing greatness of your power. We pray these things in accordance with the working of your strength, which you brought about in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named in this age and also in the age to come. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Encourage you not to miss the moment if that's you. And I know the enemy will want you not to respond. Don't let him win. You have victory in Christ. Take that step of faith. The gift's waiting for you to be opened. For the rest of you, if you've already opened that gift, man, rejoice that you have already opened it and you're his. And anything else that you're going through, or you have a praise report, whatever it may be, go tell someone so they can rejoice with you. Do something. Amen?